You're listening to The Hold Fast Podcast. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of the Hold Fast Podcast. I am David Brandau, and before I can get into today's topic, you may have noticed this is only Episode 4. Uh, last week, um, I was in Illinois on a project and uh, had a bit of an emergency at work and ended up driving all the way from Illinois, back home to Pennsylvania, and then out to New Jersey and uh, I had to do all that on Thursday, which is the day I normally record. So by the time I'd be able to get it recorded and edited and uploaded, uh, I'd almost have to do two episodes back to back. You know, I, I tried to uh, tried to make it work. It just wasn't going to happen. So I wasn't going to force it. But anyways, I want to tell you all the point of this podcast isn't just to give voice to spiritual scriptural truth, but it's also to build a community. So if you're listening and you want to join a community of believers who hold fast, I have a number of ways for you to stay connected. First, you can go to holdfast.substack.com and you can join the email list. And as the community gets bigger, we can chat over there, discuss topics. You can ask questions about each episode and I'll respond to you over there. Um, I also have the Facebook community. Just search holdfast hyphen. Project 311, like a scripture, 3 colon 11. And I will be cross-posting discussions over there. Also, you can direct message me questions and comments if you don't feel comfortable posting publicly. Uh, you can also email me at holdfastproject311, all one word, at gmail.com. And most importantly, if you want to help this community grow, the greatest thing you can do is share the episodes. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, Follow the show, leave a review, leave a comment over there, and that will help get the podcast recommended to more people. Like I said, I want to create the community I see missing in the church today, but I can't do it on my own. I need your help. When Jesus began preaching and teaching in the Bible, he wasn't alone. Even with all the power of God, he needed men and women to come alongside him and spread the word. Now, I'm not Jesus. I know that. But I do believe I am bringing you something that if it's not missing, it's not much voiced in the church. And if you agree with me, I will leave all the ways for you to stay connected in the episode description. And you can head over to any or all of those places and help me grow this community. But now let's get into what we're going to discuss today. This is part two of a multi-episode series where we're looking at the Bible itself and investigating its authority, its creation, its evidence, 
and ultimately what we as Christians see the Bible as. Last week I discussed what I believe about the Bible and specifically how true belief in it comes through revelation from God. In understanding what the revelation of God is, I discussed five key factors. Who is doing the revealing? What is the revelation? What is the reason for the revelation? What is the result of the revelation? And what is the response to the revelation? Last week, we went over the very first point. Who is the revealer? We went through some of the attributes of God, how it's in his nature to reveal himself. He's personal. He is moral. He is the source of all things. He sustains all things. He is the end of all things, and he's available. And God is all of these things so that he can be everything you need a God to be. This week, we're going to move to the second key point. What is the revelation? What has God said? What is God revealing? And the answer is very simple. And this may seem anticlimactic for someone who believes there's some big mystery here. The revelation is the person of God. What is he like? What does he do? How does he speak? What are his intentions? What is his desire? What is his relationship with people? How do you get to know him? How do you become like him? Every question you can have about God is answered in the Bible. And really, that's the purpose of the Bible. It's very simple. It's very easy, and I couldn't stress this enough. If you want to know God, study the Bible. And though it may seem easy, and though it may seem simple, it doesn't mean it doesn't take effort. I know people who struggle with the Bible, not because they don't believe, but because they don't understand. They read the Bible, but they do not study it. Let me give you a scripture on the importance of study. Not just of scripture, but also in hearing preaching. In Mark chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said, Be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you, and more besides will be given to you who hear. The word used in Greek for be careful is the word blepo, which means to turn your thoughts or direct your mind to something, consider, contemplate, look at, weigh carefully, or examine. You reap what you sow is a pretty famous quote in Christian circles, right? And if you look at the current culture, pay it forward is an expression of that. But it's true not just in how you act, but in how you approach scripture and hearing preaching. You will only get out of the Bible what you put into it. So let me ask you something. Let's do some self-reflection and internal examination. If you believe in God, you call him your Lord, you claim your goal is to become more like him, you say you're a Christian, 
but you give little attention to preaching, you give little attention to the Bible, are you actually following Christ? I had somebody come up to me one time, and uh, they were pretty excited about a video they were watching online. And the video was about hidden meanings or secrets in the Bible, potential secret knowledge of the Bible. And they asked me to watch this video and tell them if there was anything in the video that was true. So I started watching the video, and I don't quite remember what the video was talking about, but about halfway through, I asked this person, if any of this is true, would it make you want to study the Bible more? Their answer was no. And the sad part about that, it's obvious that they have a curiosity about the Bible. They have a desire to know things, but they don't want to put effort into it. Why? Because they're comfortable where they're at. They are comfortable with their current level of relationship with God. They're comfortable with their current understanding of the Bible. They're comfortable with who they are today and don't feel a need or desire to know the one they claim to love any more than they understand today. And even if they admitted they want to know God more, there are other things in this life that are more important to them than their pursuit of God. As a Christian, this should be our only pursuit. You want to have better relationships with friends and family? Pursue God. You want help with depression and anxiety? Pursue God. You need to know how to control your spending and save money? Pursue God. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What are all these things? What are all these things Jesus refers to? All the normal things you and I concern ourselves with more than and rather than God. Throughout Matthew chapter 6, Jesus goes down the list. He says, don't focus on gathering wealth and treasure. Treasure the things of God. Do not worry or be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink or wear. Life is more than those things. God already knows what you need and will provide all those things if you seek first the kingdom of God. And part of that seeking is seeking God through Scripture. God is revealing himself through it. The question is, how much do you desire this revelation? Because let me tell you something, believing in God is not enough. Belief without obedience is not enough to be a Christian. It is not enough to be a follower of Christ. It is not enough. James chapter 2 verse 19 says, You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Belief in God alone, belief without a response of obedience, means you've attained demon-level faith. God doesn't want your belief. He wants relationship. But he will not force you to have relationship with him. 
I heard this atheist group online have this debate. They said, does a man love his wife if he says, if you don't love me, I'm going to light you on fire? And the person they were debating with said, no, of course not. So the atheist said, then God doesn't love you because if you don't love him back, he sends you to hell. Let me ask you this. If you don't want relationship with God, then what is it of his that you do want to keep? When a couple breaks up, they split their belongings and separate, right? So whatever you brought to the relationship, you walk away with. So let's say God was the significant other. You decide you don't love him anymore. You take what you have, he takes what he has, and you go your separate ways. Now, what you bring to the table is nothing. God brings everything. He offers you the opportunity to be a partaker of his divine nature. But if you don't want that, if you choose to walk away from that, you get nothing. Hell is not described in detail in the Bible. But what is described is torment, misery, agony, anguish, whatever word you want to describe it as, intense suffering. But do you know who is never present in the midst of it all? God. Hell is a place where God is not. God is everything good, everything pure, everything holy. Hell is where everything is evil, everything is defiled, and everything is wicked. There's a great song by the band Disciple called My Hell. And it encapsulates the mindset of someone who is truly pursuing God. The song says, even heaven is hell without you there. As a Christian, we are not seeking heaven. We seek the God of heaven. We do not seek to live blessed lives. We seek the God of the blessing. If the only reason you quote unquote follow God is to not go to hell, you're doing it wrong. And if you don't believe me, if you don't agree, if you think God is revealing something different through the scriptures, study the Bible. And contact me. Send me an email. Let's talk about it. But if the Bible is revealing the person of God, then who does the Bible say the person of God is? In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. So first, the person of God is a creator. He created us in his image, and thus we can see God through our human experience. We are alive and experience this natural world, not through natural random selection, not by our own capabilities, but because God created us to. Deuteronomy chapter four, 
Verse 35. Moses says, To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God. There is none other besides him. Moses is speaking to the children of Israel in this verse and is describing to them that God delivered them with various signs and miracles so that they may know for themselves based on what they saw that the one who delivered them was God. Listen, if you've had an experience that you know without a shadow of a doubt was God working in your life, then you too can rest assured that God revealed himself to you in a personal way so that you can know that he is real and that he is the only living God. Our only response should be love, obedience, and trust. In Daniel chapter 6, verses 26 through 27, the king, after seeing Daniel not be consumed by the lions, makes this statement about God. He says, He is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. This is a summed up version of the person of God that is revealed in the Bible. He is living. His person and kingdom are forever. He delivers, he saves, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and earth. Psalm chapter 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Matthew chapter 5 verse 45 says, He makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sins reign on the just and the unjust. Job chapter 12, verses 7 through 12 says, But now ask the beasts, and they will teach you, and the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you, and the fish of the sea will explain to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In whose hand is the life of every living thing? and the breath of all mankind. Does not the ear test words, and the mouth taste its food? Wisdom is with aged men, and with length of days, understanding. God not only reveals himself through nature, but also through us, people. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. There is no excuse to not see the revelation of who God is literally in everything and everyone around us. The question is, when you look around at the beauty of nature and the wonders of creation, 
when you use your ears to hear conversation or your mouth to speak, your hands to love, build, create, or your mind to think, imagine, and recall. Who gets the credit for all of that? Science will tell you it's all a coincidence. It's all a coincidence that the Earth is the only planet hospitable to life, almost as if it were made for us. Science will tell you it's a coincidence that you exist. But the God of the Bible says something different. The God of nature said, I made this for you. The God of human beings says, I made you in my image. There is no excuse, Paul says in Romans, for you not to see your creator. And because there is no excuse, God lets people do as they will. He doesn't force them to believe, but there are consequences. Not just in the end. Not just when they die but here and now. Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 32 goes on to tell us, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. They became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged their natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. People will say they do not believe in God because there's too much evil in the world. But this is just an excuse. And you know it's an excuse because if you ask them what they're doing about it, they can't answer you back. Listen, if you don't believe in a God, then there's no reason to believe in morality. 
If there's no God, there's no reason for your morality to govern how I live my life. What you say is evil, I say makes me feel good. If we truly are animals without special purpose, without a higher calling, without a reason for being, then I have no obligation to fit into your idea of society. Just look around at everything you don't agree with in the world today. Without a God, who are you to say what is right or wrong? Who are you to cast judgment on what is acceptable or not acceptable? Why should your kids listen to you? Why should parents take care of their kids at all? Why should we drive our cars in a specific way on the road and follow certain laws? If there is no God, you should live your life every day to please every feeling and every sensory organ every second you have. And no one can tell you what's right or wrong about it. But there is a God. He is real. And whether you like it or not, one day you will be accountable for every breath you take, every word you spoke, every action or lack of action you ever took. The revelation God is speaking through the Bible is this. God created all things and gave dominion over the earth to man. He wanted relationship with man, but man chose himself over God. Through man's disobedience in the garden, he made it impossible for man and God to have that relationship. So God sent his son to die for man, to atone for man's sin, so that relationship can once again be possible. If you accept that gift and respond to it with faith and obedience, you and God can have that relationship. If you don't accept it, the predestined end is all you have to look forward to, and you have no excuse other than you did not want to live your life for someone else. You did not want to forsake the sin you love to gain the salvation you need. All of scripture was written for the sole purpose to make Jesus known to you. And if you're a Christian, but you don't read the Bible, you don't listen to preaching, you aren't trying to understand more about the God who died for you and learn what the purpose is that he has for you. Are you actually glorifying God? If you believe in God, but don't care enough about his sacrifice for you to do anything because of it, your belief in him is worthless. I would challenge you this week to check your priorities. If you do believe and you are obeying and you're ready for the next step, next week we're going to be looking at the reason for the revelation. But until then, God bless. 